This audio is brought to you by muslimcentral.com. Allah la yughayyiru ma biqawmin hatta yughayyiru ma bi anfusihim. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will not change the condition of a people until they first change what that is in themselves. Qala man ahabba tasfiyat al-ahwal falyajtahid fi tasfiyat al-amal. That's what he says it starts with first. He says man ahabba tasfiyat al-ahwal falyajtahid fi tasfiyat al-amal. Those who would like to filter and, and purify their conditions and their affairs, they should start by working on filtering and purifying their a'mal and their deeds. Like if you want your, your situation, your condition to be good and perfect, you need to work on your deeds yourself. Like he's saying what? You need to take responsibility. You can't wait for miracles to happen simply because you think that Allah owes you that he will change your affairs. No, you need to make sure that you do that insha'Allah tabaraka wa ta'ala. And then he goes, قال الله تعالى وَأَلَّوْ اسْتَقَامُوا عَلَى الطَّرِيقَةِ لَأَسْقَيْنَاهُمْ مَاءً غَدَقًا Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying وَأَلَّوْ اسْتَقَامُوا عَلَى الطَّرِيقَةِ If they would remain on the state, on the, on the, on the path to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, remain steadfast لَأَسْقَيْنَاهُمْ مَاءً غَدَقًا We would have sent upon them rain in abundance which means if they do the right thing, we will reward them abundantly in the dunya, and that's the meaning of the correlation of this ayah, before even the akhirah. Like those who would like to find their affairs in the dunya to be good and, and alhamdulillah, repaired and, and wholesome and so forth, they need to start working on themselves first. وَقَالَ النَّبِيُّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمُ And the Messenger of Allah, فِيمَ يَرْوِي عَنْ رَبِّهِ عَزَّ وَجَلُ In this hadith Qudusi, a sacred hadith, قَالَ لَوْ أَنَّ عِبَادِي أَطَاعُونِ If my servant would obey me, which means perfect obedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, I would have sent the rain upon them during the night. And caused the sun to rise in the, during the day. And they won't even hear the sound of thunder. What does that exactly mean? Like Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, look, look. If they were perfect in, in their obedience to Allah azza wa jal, Allah would not even inconvenience them in even the blessing he sends upon them. Like, you know, rain alhamdulillah is blessing. No doubt about it. But during the day, sometimes it's inconvenient. So if it comes during the night, so that by the time you wake up in the morning, guess what? Alhamdulillah, you're ready for the day. And the sun comes out during the day, you don't have to worry about clouds, about, you know, the rain. And so your affairs in the day and the night, mashallah, perfect for you. He says, وَلَمْ أُسْمِعْهُمْ صَوْتَ الرَّعْدِ You won't even need to hear the thunder. I will just send the rain upon you without having to be scared of it or be worrying about it. وَقَالَ الْبِرُّ لَا يَبْلَى Good that you do, doesn't wear off. And the ithm, the sin, is not forgotten. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the one who puts you accountable for your actions, he would never sleep. Like he watches you, he sees everything that you do. Just like you yourself, you, you basically what you're saying, you reap what you saw. Whatever that you do, you're going to take, of course, you know, the responsibility of that on the day of judgment. Then he starts quoting some of the ulama of the Salaf ta'ala in regard to this principle. Qal, wa qala Abu Sulaiman al-Darani, Abu Sulaiman al-Darani said, Man saffa suffiyalah. If you purify your affairs, suffiyalah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, if you purify your actions, Allah will purify and filter your affairs for you. Wa man kaddara, kuddira alayhi. And if you tarnish your deeds, then your affairs will be, will be soiled. If you do well during the night, 
you should see the reward and reap the reward for it during the day. And if you do well during the day, you shall see the reward for this during the night. And then he says, There was one of those ulama in the past who used to say, Man sarrahu an if you would like to be pleased with having all your affairs to be good, afia means safety. You're always safe. Alhamdulillah, no harm reaches you. Always in, in good conditions at all times. Alhamdulillah, he says, then you should be conscious of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You should fear Allah azza wa jal. He used to say, Inni la I make a mistake. I disobey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sometimes. And by the way, just say for, yani, kind of like a tangent on this matter. When great ulama like Al-Fudayl ibn Iyad speak about masiyah and committing a sin, we have to understand, people have standards. For us, their sins, their sins are like, seriously, you call this a sin? Because what they consider to be a sin to them, because they know they are in a better position. They should, be, they should know better than this. So when they say, when I commit a sin, I don't want you to think and equate that with sins that average person probably would do. But definitely they're human beings after all, right? He says, when I commit a mistake or make, uh, commit a sin, فَأَعْرِفُ ذَلِكَ فِي خُلُقِ دَابَّتِي I would recognize the results of my sin in the, in the, in the manners of my, my ride and also my family. Like things turn against me, basically. I can tell, oh my God, this is because of what I've done. That's how he sees it. قال وعلم وفقك الله هذا نولج من الله سبحانه وتعالى توفيق أنه لا يحس بضربة مبنج بضربة مبنج meaning if someone is already anesthesia of course right now you're in the bed for surgery so no matter what they do to you they're not gonna hurt they're not gonna hurt you you're not gonna feel that قال وإنما يعرف الزيادة من النقصان المحاسب لنفسه but the one who can feel it is the one who is on always constantly putting himself to the reckoning, to the account. Like always, you know, you're always auditing yourself. What's coming in, what's going out? What am I doing, what am I getting? All these kind of things. And if you ever see your affairs are not doing well, like if you see some sort of cloudy days in your life and so on, because remember a blessing that's being bestowed upon you that you haven't done enough shukr. Enough gratitude for, probably because of that. Or perhaps a sin or a mistake that was done. Be careful, be aware that these ni'am can turn away from you. They might turn away from you. And the sudden calamity that befalls you. And don't be deceived by how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, how merciful, how compassionate He is to the extent that he's forbearant and he's patient with you. Just basically, like I said, just because you're not seeing the effect of your deeds right now, it doesn't mean Allah is pleased with you. You need to be careful and worrying about, am I doing the right thing? Should I maybe make tawbah for this all the time to be in constant state of auditing of yourself? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he might actually take you in suddenly. He might take you, take that ni'am away from you. And then finally, he quotes the ayah one more time. He goes, وَقَدْ قَالَ اللَّهُ عَزَّ وَجَلُّ Indeed, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will not change the affairs of people until they change that which is themselves. 
وكان أبو علي الروذباري يقول من الاغترار أن تسيء فيحسن إليك فتترك التوبة توهما أنك تسامح في العقوبات Because part of sometimes we're feeling, part of the deception that we live in our lives is when you uh, make a mistake or you commit a sin and still Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bestows a blessing upon you. So therefore, as a result, you don't even try to, to, to do tawbah. Because you see Allah's blessing coming, you don't think that you made that mistake worthy of repenting from. Because if Allah is still bestowing blessings upon you, alhamdulillah, then we're good, right? Allah is still pleased with me. He goes, فَتَتْرُكَ التَّوْبَةِ Then you, don't, you never uh, do tawbah. تَوَهُمًا أَنَّكَ تُسَامَحُ فِي الْعُقُوبَاتِ Because now you're fooling yourself, thinking in that illusion that you live about yourself, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will always forgive me. You know, that's a, a, a statement we always hear, Shaykh, from people. عندك Shaykh al-Uqubat al-Hafawat. He said al-Uqubat over here. So he says, basically, whenever you, you, uh, uh, you think that Allah will forgive you for, for what you do, whether it's hafawat means your mistakes are forgiven, or Allah will never punish you for what you do. And that is, that's one of the deception we have in our lives, subhanAllah. Some people, whenever they make mistakes, they don't want to take responsibility of it. So they say, Allahu ghafur rahim. Yeah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is of forgiving, most merciful. So uh, in summary, what Ibn al-Jawzi rahmatullahi was he's trying to tell us in this, in this chapter over here, and this random thought or captured thought of, uh, in his mind, he goes, look, you need to take responsibility of your, the condition of your life. You cannot blame everything on external factors and this and that. No, you take responsibility. Because Allah made it clear in the Quran that your affairs are not going to change until you change that which is in yourself. And that's something that's extremely important for people to recognize. How can we understand this, Sheikh? Um, how do people basically should uh, review this about themselves? How can I take responsibility of my life and my affairs? And how can I make that change possible? SubhanAllah, just a side note before I go. Do you, do you know this name, Rulbari? No. Uh, I remember reading about him. Anyone know what language that is? Rulbari? Anyone want to take a guess? It's Farsi, it's Persian. Uh, Rulbari is actually a descendant of Kisra. Hmm. Interesting. <laughs> uh, Kisra, who was the ruler of Persia, of course, the most arrogant ruler in the world, who became Muslim, and he became a scholar, and he was a student of Junaid al-Baghdadi. Subhanallah. So subhanAllah, it's, it's rare that you come across his quotes, but his quotes are, are, are profound here, right? Like, you, you, you have the descendant of the most arrogant man in the time of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi talking about some people, they delay their tawbah because they're deceived by their blessings. And he's a descendant of Kisra, uh, the ruler of Persia. I think, Shaykh, this is a, this section, and, and the part that was like, it's just poetry, is the, uh, the narration uh, of, the, of the, the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam here uh, that is mentioned, uh, I, was, I was looking for it. Uh, no, that's the Hadith Qudsi, but, no. but the other one that I was looking, and the Isma. Al-Biru al الْبِرُّ لَا يَبْلَى وَالْإِثْمُ لَا يُنْسَى وَالْدَيَّانُ لَا يَنَامُ وَكَمَا تَدِينُ تُدَانُ Beautiful. That's one of those things you just can't translate, right? But no. we'll try. الْبِرُّ لَا يَبْلَى right? So you, you translated it very beautifully, right? The idea that... But I want to connect it to what we talked about last night. No. Uh, the good deed does not expire, right? It does not expire. We talked about the ta'ab yesterday. Uh, what remains of the exhaustion of the good deed? No. Nothing. Nothing. Right? You just have the yield of it at this point. 
and al-ithm, or, or the sin, la uh, yunsa. The sin is not forgotten. Just because you forgot about it, and you moved on in your life, without making tawbah for it, and there's actually a very important part here, without making tawbah for it. Mm. You, you forgot about the sin. Maybe you sinned against someone and you, you forgot, right? And, and that person didn't hold you to it. Or you sinned against Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Every sin against a person is also a sin against Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, right? Maybe you moved on, the pleasure is gone, and the yield of it is punishment. And it's going to show up on your scrolls because you failed to make tawbah for it. But just because you moved on doesn't mean that it was forgotten. And this, this, uh, this attribute of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah is the debtor, He doesn't sleep. So the debts are being compiled just as the rewards are being compiled. And this is an accountant, uh, 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 the, uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who is the hasib, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one who accounts you, does not sleep, He doesn't forget. And what, what, how this ends, right? And as you put forth, you shall be compensated. Right? At the end of the day, you're going to find the result of what you put forth. I think one of the most important clarifications of this, because it can be easily missed, mm. is this is a connection between al-ahwal wal amal the states and the deeds. What does this mean? No good deed brings about deficiency in this life. Okay? So for example, ma naqasa mal, money is not decreased by what? Sadaqa. Money is not decreased by charity. Your wealth will not decrease as a result of your charity. However, does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sometimes test people with poverty? Yes, He does. But you can't say the charity I gave led to poverty. Because then you'd be connecting amal salih, a good deed, to a deficiency. You can't do that. Sometimes Allah tests righteous people with poverty, right? But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala never will punish you or cause deficiency because of charity. That's not going to happen. In fact, the Prophet mentions one narration. Um, I don't know the authenticity, to be honest with you, off the top of my head, but definitely something the ulama quote often that al uh, that sins, that sins bear poverty. Sins bear poverty. So I, I don't want to claim it to be a narration because I can't think off the top of my head of a sanad for it, but certainly that sins bear poverty in one's life. So the amal, the sin itself, the bad deed itself, bears you poverty, right? However, does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sometimes test the sinner with prosperity? Yes. But sins bear poverty, okay? Uh, likewise, when, when, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, عليك, spend and I will spend on you, okay? Dhikr, does dhikr bear good or bad? Dhikr always gives you increase. Now, does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sometimes test a zakirin with very, very, the people of remembrance, with very difficult moments in life? Yes. The, the point that he is making here, I think, first and foremost, and this is something, honestly, in the Arabic, this is why the, you have to be careful with the translations, honestly. Because it can just, you could read this chapter in translation, or even a quick reading in the Arabic, and say, okay, well, that means that, uh, you know, a person who, uh, you know, who's being tested in life is being punished by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Default, mm. right? I'm going through a hardship. That means Allah is punishing me. Then I can't. Re- how do I reconcile the uh, the idea of Inna Allah Habba Abdan that if Allah loves someone, Tada, Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala tests that person. But then at the same time, I'm seeing. Wait a minute. Allah tests people because of their sin. The key here is because of their sin. There are those that are tested because of their sin. Okay, and like Sheikh Yasser said, very, very, very importantly. 
the Salaf held themselves to the standard because they were very dedicated to their own craft. And their craft was perfecting the soul to enter into paradise, to qualify for the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So when they went through something, they did this scan, okay? They didn't say, you know, da'utu fada'utu, I'm making dua, I'm praying all night, how come it's not happening? They started to scan, is there a ni'mah, a blessing that I maybe didn't thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala enough for? Is there a sin that I failed to repent from? Now let's say that a person, subhanAllah, you know, let's say that's not the case, okay? First of all, there's always a ni'mah, always a ni'mah that you failed to thank Allah for, right? Every moment of your life, there is a ni'mah that you did not thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for, and there is always a sin. Sometimes it's a minor sin, the sin of the eye, a sin of the tongue, the sin of the, the ear. Always a sin that maybe you didn't make tawbah for. So the salaf, the righteous predecessors, because they were so dedicated to their craft, they immediately went to the scan. Now, here's the difference with them, though, is that they did that scan of themselves. They did that scan of themselves, whether they were in prosperity or in poverty whether they were in ease or in hardship. They were constantly scanning, what are the blessings that I should be thanking Allah for? What are the sins that I have maybe failed to repent for? So the, the, the idea here is that bad a'mal, bad deeds lead to bad ahwal, always, okay? They lead to bad situations. Bad deeds will reap bad yields, either in this life or in the next or both, bad deeds will lead to bad yields, bad ahwal, either in this life or the next. Good deeds will lead to good ahwal, good stations, either in this life or in the next. That's why Imam Hassan Basri rahimahullah ta'ala, uh, someone came to him and asked him, you know, uh, they, they, they each complained to him about something different. We want this risk, and we want that risk, and we want this. We're looking for this sustenance, this sustenance, this sustenance, this sustenance. And he kept on responding to people, and he just said, make istighfar, make istighfar. Make istighfar. Seek forgiveness from Allah. Seek forgiveness from Allah. Seek forgiveness from Allah. So students told him, like, all right, you know, sometimes people are looking for like a very deep answer, and like just make istighfar. Right? It's like when the Prophet says, "Qul billah." Say, "I believe in Allah," and then have istiqamah. Be firm on it. Right? La taqdab. Don't get angry. Simple advice. Like, I'm not going to give you some poem, some deeply profound answer. The profound nature is in the simple statement sometimes. So why did he just keep on telling people when you're Asking Allah for things, how much istighfar are you making? He said, because Allah tells us about Nuh that Nuh says, فَقُلْتُ اسْتَغْفِرُوا رَبَّكُمْ إِنَّهُ كَانَ غَفَّارًا يُرْسِلُ السَّمَاءَ عَلَيْكُمْ مِدْرَارًا وَيُمْدِدُكُمْ بِأَمْوَالٍ وَبَنِينَ وَيَجْعَلْ لَكُمْ جَنَّاتٍ وَيَجْعَلْ لَكُمْ أَنْهَارًا مَا لَكُمْ لَا تَرْجُونَ لِلَّهِ وَقَارًا Like Nuh when he's pleading with his people, he's saying to his people, right, if you seek forgiveness from your Lord, Everything that you're turning your back on your Lord for will actually come to you in great, in, in great quantity and quality. Collectively speaking, you'll be a blessed people. Okay? يُرْسِلَ السَّمَاءَ عَلَيْكُمْ مِدْرَارًا وَيُمْدِدُكُمْ بِأَمْوَالٍ وَبَنِينَ وَيَجْعَلْ لَكُمْ جَنَاتٌ وَيَجْعَلْ لَكُمْ أَنْهَارًا Allah will give you what you're asking Him for should you seek forgiveness from Him. Okay? But you have to seek forgiveness from Him. Now, subhanAllah, there, there's something very profound about this, that look what happened to the people of Nuh They were deceived by the blessings of Allah. And this is actually the problem. When a person can recognize a bad amal, a sin, and they can recognize a comfortable hal, a comfortable situation, 
And they use their comfortable situation to delay their tawbah, to delay their repentance. Like the man in Surah Al-Kaf. He says, look, I got, I'm okay, I've got these gardens. Clearly, I'm okay. Okay, clearly I'm fine. The people of Nuh right? They turned away from Nuh and what ended up happening to them? The sama poured down on them, but it poured down on them in a different way. Right? It wasn't the type of pouring down that they would have wanted. So Allah delayed them, and then suddenly, in Allah subhanahu wa delays a transgressor sometimes until he seizes them, and then he doesn't let them go. So then the punishment came to them suddenly, collectively as a people. So as individuals, you'll be tested sometimes. But the amal, a good deed only brings about good yield. And a bad deed only brings about bad yield. So the, what he's talking about here is the connection of a'mal to ahwal, of deeds to yield, not necessarily the overall customized state of being tested with ease or with hardship. Because of course we know that ahlul afiyah, the people of hardship, Ahlul Bala, I'm sorry, the people of Bala, uh, the people of hardship will be rewarded by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on the Day of Judgment in a way that the people of Afiyah, the people who genuinely had, generally had easy lives, would, would envy them because of the way that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is compensating them on that day. Jazakallah khair subhanahu wa That brings us back again to the first statement of Imam ibn Jawzi rahmatullahi ta'ala when he says, Man ahabba tasfiyat al ahwal falashtahat fi tasfiyat al a'mal. I believe this is a statement that it's true to everybody who's here right now as we're trying to, uh, uh, try to figure out and understand, okay, so what's my, 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 uh, my plan right now in Ramadan? What do I need to do right now? We're in the last few nights of the month of Ramadan right now, alhamdulillah, rabbil alameen. We know that in the last few days of the month of Ramadan, everybody's trying right now looking back and see uh, what have I done or look forward to anticipate the end of the month of Ramadan. So those who would like to truly get the benefit out of the month of Ramadan, instead of looking into anticipation to the end of the month of Ramadan, they should look back right now and try to filter their a'mal so that their ahwal become actually, alhamdulillah, good and true for them. So that's now the advice that we need to give right now to all of you guys as we start going into this uh, mode of trying to see, okay, where am I right now? Uh, what have I done good or bad? Or what's my situation right now? you need to start having that self-auditing and self-hisab and reckoning and self-accounting and to see what are the things that I need to continue to do well that I gained from the month of Ramadan and what are the things that I need to stop. I need to make sure that after Ramadan I don't go back again to that dark side of my life. And that's why subhanAllah the beautiful statement of Ibn Qayyim rahmatullahi Amir Ibn Jawz rahmatullahi was choosing actually from the words of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi Ad-Dayyan, if you want to translate that in a modern word that we can understand today, is like the bookkeeper. The bookkeeper, and you guys, have, you've done taxes. I don't know if you've done your taxes or not yet. Yani. But when it comes to taxes, what do you need to do? You need to make sure you have all your uh, income statements and all your expenditures and all that stuff and so ready. So when you give it to the bookkeeper, can match it to what, you, what they have in their own records. And then eventually, they will go by what? By what you deliver to them? what they have in their records. They are grabbed by their records. Ad-Dayyan is the bookkeeper over here. It doesn't matter if you misplace a piece of paper or whatever. It's not going to say, well, I don't remember this one. Yeah, but I have it in my records. Okay, well, um, I, I, I don't know. I don't remember actually I've, I've done this. I don't, I don't know, but it's in the record right now. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the word Ad-Dayyan is literally here what you need to keep in mind. You owe Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so much, no matter how much you think, I don't remember that. It's not because you remember it or not. 
if it's there, it's there. And that's why he said afterwards, he goes, when it comes to the subject of, of al-birr, al la the good thing that you do will never expire, never wear off, it's going to stay no matter what. The yield is still there, alhamdulillah, and the sin that you've committed is not going to be forgotten, it's already recorded right now. And the one, the bookkeeper, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, never sleeps. If you sleep and lose some of your paperwork because you do not put them in a, in, in a safe place to always remember and see your, your spending, spending versus you know, your income, it's, your, it's your, your, on your own. That's your fault, on you. So that's why So if anything that we need to start working on in the last few days, inshallah ta'ala, and I mentioned that in the khatr a few nights ago, the self-reflecting. I mean, we're always into ibadah, uh, I will, let, me, let me say, the, the positive, the, the active ibadah. The active ibadah is you have to engage in something. I need to be standing up in salah, I need to make dua, I need to read Quran, I need to do this, I need to do that. Rarely that we think of a passive ibadah. Passive ibadah such as sitting down, away from the noise, alone, in seclusion. Not that I am lonely. No, I'm alone, yes, but I'm not lonely. Because I'm in love with this private communication that I have with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Thinking about my a'mal, my deeds, my ahwal, how my condition is, is happening. Without doing that, you'll never be able to really reflect on your personal deeds genuinely that will promote you and help you, inshallah, change your ahwal bi-idhnillahi azza wa jal. So remember, your job is to focus on your own records. The bookkeeper doesn't sleep. If you lost some of your records, he didn't, subhanahu wa ta'ala. So my job is to always stay on top of my affairs, knowing what I'm doing, purify my deeds, and I need to take full responsibility for my actions. This is a very powerful statement from him, rahmatullah, when he began by saying, Man al If you like your ahwal, your affairs to be pure and beautiful and easy, you need to work on what? Tasfiyat al-a'mal, purifying and filtering your own deeds, rahimahullah ta'ala. I think um, the, there's a few things, inshallah, I'll also add to this. One of them is, okay, well, where do I stand in regards to this? So you have the person who is increasing in ma'asiyah, in a recognizable sin, and despite their increase in sin, their ease parallels it, right? So they're growing in ease, they're growing in, in worldly prosperity while they're growing in sin. And that is the, that's the scariest situation to be in. That is the scariest situation to be in. And then you have the person who is growing in a recognizable form of ta'a, a recognizable form of obedience. And as they're growing in that form of obedience, they're also growing in hardship. That is a person who's being tested in a way that Allah is elevating them. Okay, that is the person that the Prophet said, when Allah loves someone, He tests them that they do good and in the process of doing good, they're tested. It's not the amal of good that is causing the test, it's that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is elevating them with that good. And so that is the, that is the test of raf'ul maqam, of Allah azawajal elevating the, sta the station of a person. Then you have everything else in between. The person is constantly swaying between obedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and disobedience to Allah, and between ease and hardship. Now here's the thing, the two recommendations here of increasing in hamd and increasing in istighfar, okay? The Prophet ﷺ attributed to both of those acts of increasing in, uh, in praise as well as increasing in seeking forgiveness, 
alleviation of hardship and elevation of rank. So what Allah says, in shakartum, If you are grateful, I will increase you. If you are grateful, I will increase you. And Allah did not say increase you in one particular domain, rather I will increase you. Right? Allah will increase you in a way that He sees fit. And the Prophet also taught that whoever is consistent with istighfar, whoever is consistent with seeking forgiveness, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will make a way out from every single hardship and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will elevate them and provide for them from ways that they did not expect. And so hamd and istighfar are both actual means of bringing about greater good. So when a person is doing this muhasabah of themselves, they're not doing it from a place of resentment towards Allah or of self-hatred. They're doing it from a form of purification of self and of putting themselves ahead. So they're not doing it to say, Ya Allah, I, I did istighfar, I did hamd, and things got worse for me, it got harder for me. And so that means that, you know, uh, clearly Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is angry with me, or clearly this doesn't work. And this was, of course, the situation of the people, وَمِنَ النَّاسِ مَنْ يَعْبُدُ اللَّهَ عَلَى حَرْفِ Who Allah tells us in the Qur'an, there are people that worship Allah on an edge. If things are good, they stay on the cliff. If things are bad, they jump off the cliff. Okay? At the same time, subhanAllah, you have this person who recognizes that every day is another part of this journey towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And you're increasing your provision that you want to take with you to the hereafter. And a person who is focused on Allah and on the hereafter will naturally find that doors start to open up for them in this life as well. Even though, again, they're pursuing the mountaintop that we spoke about yesterday. They're not trying to go down the river. They're not trying to go with the flow. They're pursuing the mountaintop. And so the fact that they are in pursuit of that, they're increasing their zad. They're increasing their provision of shukr and istighfar every single day. And of course, with the act or with the words of praise and with the words of seeking forgiveness, they're increasing their share of obedience and decreasing their share of disobedience. You see, you can't control, you can't control how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala decides to purify you. But you can control how you decide to purify yourself. You can't control how much Allah is going to give you a share of hardship or a share of ease to ultimately put you on the best path to succeed. You don't get to make those decisions, nor can you even access the divine decree and, and access the wisdom of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala behind those things. But you can control your share of obedience and decreasing your share of disobedience while at the same time increasing your words of praise and increasing your words of seeking forgiveness from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So to conclude inshallah our discussion over here, I want to just bring us to some practical tips that we can work with inshallah azza So if I would like to start purifying my deeds, so in order for, uh, to, for my affairs to be purified for me and rectified for me inshallah ta'ala, what can I do? One thing we should remember that every ibadah that we do, Usually the first thing we do after we're done from that major ibadah is seeking forgiveness and istighfar, as the Shaykh was talking about. So when you finish your salah, your salah, now you're engaged in ibadah, worshiping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The moment you say, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah, what is the first thing you should pronounce? Astaghfirullah, Astaghfirullah, Astaghfirullah. Which means I seek forgiveness from Allah three times. I mean, if you look at it from a dunya perspective, it's, it's paradoxical because what do I have? What I've been doing the past 10 minutes though? I was reading Quran, making dua, sujood, ruku'. I mean, at the end I should say, Alhamdulillah, 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 right? Because I've done so much good, Alhamdulillah. And that's why I say, Allahumma anni ala dhikrika wa shukrika wa husni ibadah. Ya Allah, assist me and help me to worship you better. 
uh, and remember you better and uh, be grateful to you. But here we say, Astaghfirullah, Astaghfirullah, Astaghfirullah. It's a symbolic thing, some of the ulama, they say. It's the same thing with Hajj, by the way. When you come out from Arafah, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, And then you need to, to march out from that camp of Muzdalifah and seek forgiveness from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. After spending all these hours and all that day and night in Arafah, I still need to seek forgiveness for this? Which means, again, you need to always be in a constant state of, uh, of uh, uh, self-auditing all the time. You finish Salah, the first thing you need to remind yourself with is what? Was it good? Was it good enough? Uh, was it 100%? Uh, did I do 90%, 50%, 30%? How much did I really benefit from my Salah? My Hajj, was it good enough? Did I do this? Did I do that? So always keeping yourself. So if you would like to start with that kind of you know, self-accounting, Make sure that after every time you do something good, even when you do something good, you remind yourself, did I do it well? And if I came a little bit short, how can I make it better? That's why, alhamdulillah, we have Salatul Sunnah, right? Because if, if you pray Dhuhr and your mind was completely absent, and now after Salah you realize, oh my God, I can't even remember what I said in the first two rak'ah. So what do you have? how can you rectify that? You, when you pray your Sunnah, make sure to be a little bit focused. That's something we learn on a daily basis. Similarly, when Ramadan is over, what is the first thing people need to start focusing on? The six days of Shawwal, right? Why is that supposed to be for? Because if I, if I feel guilty that I didn't do well in my fasting of Ramadan, then alhamdulillah I can work on my six days of Shawwal, hopefully it will rectify the thing that I messed up in the month of Ramadan. So the idea is when it comes to keep yourself always uh, um, responsible for your actions, Remind yourself, every time you do something good, focus on it. Was it good enough or not? Obviously, it doesn't mean we become desperate and fulfill this, you know, desperate of Allah's mercy and rahmah, that I would never do anything good enough for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's not what we're talking about. But at least I need to always keep my standards going up and up and up. Like we talked about it last night, you grow. You don't just stay in one state of affairs. You always grow and you keep yourself in shalta growing up in your faith and your iman in Allah Azza wa Jal. Shaykh, if you have anything, I would like to open up to the floor sure. for questions. I'll give one more um, sure. reflection on this, inshallah. The difference between the collective and the individual. So when you read a narration like, that if my servants were to obey me, then uh, the rain would come to them at night. I would nourish them with rain at night and the sun during the day and they would not even hear uh, the thunder. Um, there is this concept that we have that is very well defined in the Quran and the Sunnah of the collective good and the collective punishment. You see Allah Azza tests us all as individuals in different ways. However, collectively speaking, when the Ummah is righteous, then their pathway is victory and ease, collectively speaking, right? So, would we be destroyed and we have some righteous people around us? Yes, if, if filth, if filth becomes prevalent. So it's not that the, the, the salah of the salihun, the righteousness of the righteous is going to be neglected. No, they'll have their own, their own way with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But it's that the collective will suffer. And so this is a repeated lesson actually throughout history. When you talk about destroyed nations, destroyed nations, could there have been a few righteous people amongst them? 
they will have their way with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, right? But the nation itself becomes destroyed because of the collective evil. The ummah is deprived because of collective sin. You know, when we see what happens to our brothers and sisters around the world, we don't say, we do not say, that this individual person going through this hardship is going through this because of something that they did. That's the prosperity doctrine. That's, you know, uh, materialistic evangeli evangelistic Christianity, the, the, the types of evangelical preachers that make it all about the personal, right? If you do this, this will happen to you. However, we do say that the ummah suffers because of the sins within the ummah. The ummah collectively suffers because of the sins within the ummah. And when the ummah is collectively righteous, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala blesses the ummah collectively finally. Dhahr al-fasad. Allah Azza mentions corruption has appeared on the land and on the sea because of what man's hands have earned. Because of what man's hands have earned. So barakah is taken from a nation. Barakah is taken from a people. Blessing is taken from a collective uh, group of people. When they disobey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala collectively, and it's given to them when they obey Allah collectively. That's the difference between Badr and Uhud, the difference between the people of Musa السلام, who were forbidden from entering into Jerusalem and then the righteous generation that came after under Yusha السلام, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala blessed with entrance into Jerusalem. It's always the collective. And so we have to take that as a responsibility as well. Again, don't just read these texts like an individual. Be an ummah concerned person. Be an ummah concerned person. Salahuddin did not just focus on his own Qiyamul Layl and say, if I pray Qiyam enough, then everything's going to be okay for me. I'll be protected from the Crusaders. Right? He went around and made sure the Ummah was praying Qiyam and said, now, now we've got it. Right? This is the Ummah that Allah will bless. And so our collective righteousness is important to the collective upliftment of our Ummah. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala let us be a cause of alleviation of our ummah and elevation of our ummah Ameen. and not a cause for its distress or for its destruction or despair. Allah Let's begin inshallah with a question. So uh, we go from the right side again. Bismillah. Go ahead, go ahead. Let's, oh, go ahead. Yeah. Assalamu alaikum. So my question is, uh, when we do something good uh, and we don't have a guarantee that it got accepted, but we still do feel uh, happiness doing that deed, uh, should we or how can we have the similar feeling when we uh, repent for a sin? Uh, I, I think if I understood the question, uh, we do something good and we're not sure if it was accepted by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but we're still happy about it. Is that what you're saying? Okay. So first of all, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the most merciful, Rahman al-Rahim. Rasulullah sallallahu says, If you're pleased by your good deed and displeased by your bad deeds, that's a sign of faith. Alhamdulillah. That means your heart is alive. You're pleased with the good that you do, alhamdulillah. There is nothing wrong with that. Alhamdulillah. But the problem when that, when that joy becomes deterrent from doing better. Hmm. If that joy and that happiness tells you, okay, alhamdulillah, it sounds like it was good. I did it enough. Alhamdulillah. And then you never really try to improve or safeguard that tawbah that you've done after you did something wrong. Like someone did something wrong. And they know for sure that they did something wrong. They realize, I need to do tawbah right now. And they make that tawbah. And now they're so happy and pleased by their tawbah. But then they never safeguard that tawbah. And as a result, 
they never do any better or improve, so they lose right now their wealth. So this is what becomes dangerous. If you're pleased with something good, but that, that, that pleasure that you have for doing good deters you from improving and doing better, it becomes a problem. Rasulullah when Allah forgave him all his sins, what did he do? He spent his night in ibadah that his wife telling him, take it easy on yourself. And he would say, Afala kunu abdan shakura. Should I then become a grateful person? I want to be the grateful servant of Allah that because I need to show that I, I deserve that from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So again, if you're happy with that, it's good as long as it doesn't become deterred from doing something better. Wallahu a'lam. Sister side. Let's see from the sister, inshallah. Um, so can you explain, well, not explain, like clarify the bit that you said that, um, you know how you said that if you done a good deed, you'll see the fruit of it in the morning. If you did it at night, if you do it in the morning, you'll see the deed of it in the um, morning, in the afternoon. But sometimes, you know, like especially with Ramadan, alhamdulillah, I feel that, you know, I have been growing, I have been doing better, but... You know, like, I don't have 100000 to donate sometimes. I don't feel like I'm living the life, like, living what I should be living. And I just feel really demotivated that, you know, I am putting in all these efforts, but I don't feel that I can see that in action, you know? And I don't know how to carry that. And also, how you said that sin is equal to, or it can be a reason for, you know, poverty. So how do I look at myself with that, you know? No, sure. Wonderful question. I'm sure it was on the minds of a lot of people. Um, and I think it's an important one. So I'll, I'll kind of just speak this back a bit. And, and as I said, look, when you read the books of Tuskia, especially the books of, of high aspiring scholars, right, that were just super productive people, okay, Ibn Jawzi rahimahullah being the most productive scholar in history. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's a pretty lofty thing to have, right? And he talks about barakah. I mean, imagine how much barakah the man had in his time, right? Talk about blessing and time, right? We're, and I think our next topic is actually on barakah. No. Barakah and time is actually going to be our, our topic tomorrow, inshallah. Um, a few things to clarify here. Number one, you do not do the good deeds seeking the reward of those good deeds in this dunya. Hmm. Otherwise, the intention is facet. The intention is actually corrupt. If the reason why you do a good deed is so that you can find good in this life, the intention is corrupted. You do the good deed with the intention being for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and knowing that the collective exertion of one's efforts towards good leads to goodness in their life. That's the first thing. The second thing is that perhaps you have a very particular hal that you are seeking in regards to or as a reward for a very specific amal. Remember, we're talking about the connection of a'mal, which are what? I actually want to make sure everyone got the concept. A'mal are what? Deeds. Ahwal are what? Your state of being. Okay? So perhaps you desire a specific hal as a result of a specific amal. I'm doing this amal tonight, therefore I should see this hal tomorrow. That's not your call to make. So the mindset of the believer instead, and this is positive thinking, is to connect a good hal that I have in some capacity today to some good amal that I may have done last night. So for example, um, you prayed tonight, you, you, you know, you, you're very, very tired tomorrow, 
Uh, one thing that you could say is, I'm really, really sleepy and I'm tired and I'm exhausted and I'm falling short because of Qiyam al-Layl. Or you could say, right, that, you know, Alhamdulillah, my perspective on life is changing. The reward is there. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is so merciful to me that somehow He's giving me the energy to still finish this task and also have the yield of last night's Qiyam. That's a mindset thing. Remember he talked about the soldiers of the mind yesterday. That's a mindfulness and a mindset thing that you have to actually have. So you, can't, you cannot uh, provoke a specific hal from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with a time frame and with a quantity and set it for this and connect it to a specific amal. That would defeat the purpose. That would absolutely defeat the purpose of test. Okay? However, the believer generally and genuinely when something good happens to them, this is also one of the differences between us and the wicked. When something good happens to one of us, we say, هَذَا مِنْ عِنْدِ اللَّهِ الْحَمْدِ لِلَّهِ This is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Wallahi, dear brothers and sisters, we are not entitled to the AC that we have in this room right now. We are not entitled to the roof that we have over our heads right now. We're not entitled to the sip of water that we take for suhoor. That's from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And we say Alhamdulillah for that, right? And we don't say that that is because we did this or we earned it and I, you know, I came to this place and I made, my, I made it work, I powered through. No, no. Alhamdulillah. That is something. Perhaps Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala blessed me and I'm going to continue to do good and know that Allah only rewards good with good because هَلْ جَزَاءُ الْإِحْسَانِ does Allah reward good with anything but good? Okay, does Allah reward good with anything but good? However, I will take, I will take the customized path that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives me of hardship and of blessing, of ease, knowing that what Allah Azza wa Jal intends for me through that is the best reward and the best means and way to approach Him. Uh, if you, subhanAllah, the, the, the Judgment Day series actually starts off Episode 18, Unanswered Du'as, actually starts off with a long narration from Ibn al-Jawzi rahimahullah ta'ala. Okay, it's a hadith Qudsi, the wisdom of which that Ibn al-Jawzi rahimahullah talks about. That verily there are some of my servants whose faith would not be rectified except through ghina, uh, except through wealth. And if I was to make that person poor, it would corrupt them. And then on the other hand, some people, their iman would not be rectified except through poverty. And a person would say, but Ya Allah, if you give me, I'll be fine. No, no, but Allah knows you. Allah knows you. Allah knows how He's planning for you. So if I gave Him, then it would corrupt Him. It would take them away from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Health, sickness, every single thing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about, right? What He gives us is for our best path forward. So just don't connect a specific hal to a specific amal and say, oh Allah, I did this, now I want to wake up in the morning, I want to find $50,000 in my bank account because I just gave $50 tonight, and Hassan is supposed to yield 10. That's the hal I want because this is the amal that I did. It does not work that way. Zakallah khair, Shaykh. May I add a little bit more on, this, on the subject as well too? I heard a beautiful statement, subhanAllah, uh, before. Uh, in regards to our deed or our amal, really, many of us, unfortunately, in doing what we do, we're pursuing a specific hal, which is, like I said, which is the emotional high or the spiritual high. Like we're doing something and we're waiting for that spiritual high and we feel that we have accomplished that. And when we don't get it, we realize we say that Allah didn't accept that from me. Allah is not listening to me. Allah subhanahu so and so. Because we're insisting on a specific condition as a result of our amal itself.
although we're not be supposed to we're not supposed to be pursuing the the, the spiritual emotional high of the amal that we do or the iman rush moment that we feel we're supposed to be pursuing him subhanahu wa ta'ala because if we pursue that emotional and spiritual iman rush moment it doesn't last long it doesn't last long because once the amal is over the condition that brought you this is over uh, there's no sustainability for that but if you really pursuing him which means because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala asked me to do that because Allah wants me to do that I will do it what am I getting out of it? It doesn't really matter to me anymore. And sometimes, sometimes, Allah subhanahu wa delayed the reward for you in the dunya. Why? Because you will benefit, much more benefit from the journey itself than the destination. Allah. You might be going through so many hardships and you're fighting this, trying to get out of that misery probably, thinking that if I get there, then alhamdulillah, I'll be in good shape. But you never know. Maybe your benefit is really in the pursuit of that goal throughout all your life. The journey itself is, could be the most rewarding thing you get out of this life. Wallahu alam. Brother side, here from either side if you don't mind. Yeah, we need to take from this side. Hand up. We'll come to you, inshallah. Where were all of you people yesterday with your hands raised? We were looking for questioners yesterday. Well, let's try to keep the answers in two, three minutes, Max, inshallah. Go ahead. Uh, my question is from, from something you guys mentioned earlier tonight. That's also a carryover from last night pertaining to forgiveness. Uh, not sure, but I believe there's a teaching that if you commit a sin, that also hurts another human being. Um, so not like missing a prayer or a fast. You have to rectif um, rectify that with the person you hurt as well as repent to Allah for the sin. So the man who commits 99 murders and things like that. Um, if you commit a sin but don't or maybe no longer can rectify the situation with the other person but sincerely repent to Allah, is that sin still eligible to be forgiven by Allah? Well, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is most merciful, alhamdulillah. Your job is to do the right thing in the dunya, which means if your job is to reach out to this individual, try to rectify the situation with them, and they refused. Let's say they were present. It's not like they, you don't even know where they are so you can rectify the situation with them. That's easier because in this case, what can I do? I'll just make dua for them. Hopefully Allah will accept that for me, inshallah, on their behalf. But if they're still present and I know my, my, my fault, so I go to them seeking their forgiveness. And I humbled myself and I you know, kind of went to them and I said, look, I want to make things right, alhamdulillah, mean, Not because I'm going to go to Hajjah and I never come back or anything like that. No, because I really believe it's wrong. I need to fix it with you. And they refused. Alhamdulillah, you've done your part. Because your ibadah, your ibadah, or in this case actually, your duty to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala stops there. That you didn't, you've done your part. You went to them and you sought your forgi their forgiveness, right? Them accepting it or not, that's not your business. That's their business between them and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So my job is to go and rectify the situation. If they refused, alhamdulillah, at least my Lord, I've done what you asked me to do. They refused it, so now it's between you and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah azza wa jal will reward you for it. And if Allah sees sincerity in your heart for this, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will reward the other person on the day of judgment without having you to go through any punishment because of that. Wallahu alam. Like I always think about this instant. Imagine like the last sight of Hamza radiallahu ta'ala anhu in this world, literally the last sight he had was Wahshi throwing a spear at him and he was pursuing Wahshi and he died, he bled out while pursuing Wahshi. Imagine when Hamza radiallahu anhu sees Wahshi radiallahu anhu in Jannah. <laughs> you know, like subhanAllah, like 
wait a minute. <laughs> like, you're you, here too? You're here? You're here. And you know, the, Pro the Prophet said, Allah laughs at it. <laughs> SubhanAllah, it's one of the hadith where the Prophet said, Allah laughs when he sees two men in Jannah who meet. One of them killed the other. And the murderer and the murdered meet in Jannah. Like, how did you get here? <laughs> the last thing I remember from you was you killing me. But that person went on and made tawbah to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and Allah forgave them and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala rectified and he gathered, he resurrected them both in a jannah. And that's a lot of sahaba by the way, a lot of sahaba, right? Who no. were on the other side and then became Muslim and, and rectified their situation. So Ibn Mas'ud radiallahu anhu is a beautiful saying in this regard. He said Allah's mercy is perfect and His justice is perfect. How? Allah, Allah will reward that person that was wronged to the maximum extent. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will take the right. But then Allah in His mercy, if 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 He wants good for this servant, He'll increase their good deed, because Allah rewards it 700 up to whatever, He'll increase their good deed to be able to cover the debt. Because He's a Dayan, remember, the bookkeeper. But no one gets to deal with Allah's quantity. So Allah won't wrong this person, because Allah is perfect in His justice. But Allah in His mercy to this person, because He knows this person was sincere and they really changed, right? whether that's in their mizan, in their scale, or something else, Allah will keep growing their good deed, the one good deed that's left, the two good deeds that are left, until it covers for whatever was taken out as a result of that. So we try our best and we put the rest in Allah Azawajah. Sister Asad, inshallah. Assalamu May Allah reward you immensely for this Amen. and gather us all again in Jannah Amen. with a gathering Amen. like this. Uh, my question, Sheikh, is that we know the best ways to make istighfar, like with Sayyidul Istighfar and just saying Astaghfirullah a lot of times, but what are some of the best ways to perform shukr? Mm. Uh, you know, like what askar can we do? Are there deeds specifically that express our shukr? Uh, yeah. You want to answer, I'm looking for something. So, the Prophet said that in the khayr dhikr la ilaha illallah, khayr dua, alhamdulillah. He said that the best dhikr is la ilaha illallah, the best form of dua is alhamdulillah, simply saying alhamdulillah. You can increase the alhamdulillah by adding the attributes that you're praising Allah for. So alhamdulillah ladhi anzal al-Qur'an, alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah ladhi at'amani hadha wa razaqnihi min ghayri hawla minni wa la quwa. So alhamdulillah who gave us guidance, alhamdulillah who gave us food, alhamdulillah who gave us clothes. You can, you can add what you're praising Allah for uh, to, to increase in the hamd or you could uh, Sheikh Yasser does this in his in his witr every night, uh, beautifully, mashallah, start mentioning the attributes that you're praising Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for. So a blessing that he gave you or an attribute that he has. So you can increase the attributes that you're praising him for or the blessings that you're thanking him for. And then, I'malu ala Dawood shukra Act, O people of David, with gratitude. So the greatest way to show, to show gratitude for a blessing is to use that blessing as a blessing. To use that blessing in obedience and not to use it in disobedience. The greatest way to use anything that Allah gave you, to thank Him for anything that He gave you, is to use it in good. Allah If I want to add one more thing actually, to make sure that your, uh, the sense of shukr, the sense of gratitude is really in the heart, honestly. If your heart is not content, if your heart is not pleased with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's offering to you and what He bestowed upon you, no matter what you try to do, how many times you say Alhamdulillah, 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 and eventually your heart is not content with it, that's not going to make it, make it for you at all. Your heart needs to show that dhikr, or actually that shukr, that gratitude to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I mentioned that many times before. I want to keep repeating this, subhanahu, because people, they never stop saying it. 
Whenever I ask them, how are you doing? They say, Alhamdulillah, I cannot complain. <laughs> I say, you already complained. <laughs> it's a very common thing, people, they say that. Or people, they say, Alhamdulillah, it can be better. <laughs> like a stock for Allah, what you're saying exactly, Ani. You see, people, you know, subconsciously, they just never satisfied with what Allah had blessed, blessed them with. So if you would like to be really a grateful person, start from the heart. Let the heart be content. And one of the best ways to do that, as specifically in time like ours, I really recommend that for you guys, is you need to try your best to stay away from, from social media as much as possible. Because most social media is about what? It's about showing off, really. Like myself, showing my cooking, for example, skills, let's say, for example, right? <laughs> It's or, or, or bullying me. <laughs> or that too. But really, it's, it, social media, subhanAllah, the focus of social media, what people really do, trend and all the stuff and so on. So as a result, people, they end up doing a lot of social comparison. And that social comparison steals their happiness. What you do, what you have is always good until you compare it to somebody else. And then that's where you realize, like, why can't I have this? Why don't I have that? Why don't I have that? that? You will never be satisfied. So shukr really comes from the heart and make sure that you have a heart that is really, really content. If you can get to that level, I guarantee you, saying Alhamdulillah will be much more meaningful. Wallahu alam. Naam. Brothers, I think we come to this side now. We're gonna have to go with this one that way, man. I was gonna ask you, why couldn't you just say Alhamdulillah for the office that you had, Shaykh? Alhamdulillah, I have a, a good why? office. I don't understand. <laughs> Bismillah. I think the brother in the back at your resident had first. Oh, this has been a while. Song chicks, uh, thank you again for this. Um, so, uh, you know, you were giving practical advice on uh, doing istighfar, making dua. I noticed that uh, Sheikh Omar many times says, please forgive us for our sins that we know and that we do not know. Uh, but is there some form of, um, uh, assuming there's no statute of limitations on Toba, is there some form of maybe going on Umrah or Hajj or something that can be uh, overarching toba for any of your sins, especially those that are from many years ago when you were young or, you know, things that you might not know about. Is there some form of way to actually do that? And what are those steps to do that sort of toba, especially as you get older? You want me to answer this? Go for it. Um, the, this is actually the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that wudu to wudu expiates the sins in between. Salah to Salah expiates the sins in between. These are the minor sins that you do throughout the day. The ones that you unknowingly slip into here and there, right? The Prophet I'm describing it like a river that you bathe in every single time, every single Salah. Al-Jum'ah mm. ila al-Jum'ah. Friday to Friday is kafara, is an expiation for what is between them. Umrah to Umrah is expiation from what is between them. Hajj is expiation for everything that comes before it. من صام رمضان إيمانا واحتسابا من قام رمضان من قام ليلة القدر إيمانا واحتسابا غفر له ما تقدم من ذنبه whoever fasts the month of Ramadan or whoever observes ليلة القدر with faith and with seeking the reward Allah will forgive them for all that precedes it so all of these are actually what you're speaking about they're these they are comprehensive overarching forms of tawbah of repentance that expiate the sins in between now what Hajj so so becoming Muslim Embracing Islam, Hijrah and Hajj are means of expiation for the major sins. Uh, the thing is, is that you have to, you, you have to make sure 
that you're actually rectifying and remedying the conscious sinning, and then hoping that the tawbah will cover the unconscious sinning, the minor infractions. Muhasaba uh, is to look at the self and to identify where I keep on falling. And that's part of the tawbah process. But then the ibadat that we do on a regular basis are means of expiation for the things, the sins that we do on a regular basis as well. Sister Saad, I'm wondering how can we tell the difference between whether Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is um, giving us a path of ease or if we are part of the dhalimin yamadduhummatta where the transgressors that are being delayed. Interesting. So how do we know that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is giving us a path of ease in our life or is he just kind of delaying us and without even noticing that we're doing wrong in this case? How can we tell the difference, Sheikh? Any idea? You should answer that, Sheikh. <laughs> <laughs> you tell me. <laughs> Subhanallah, um, you know, there are two perspectives over here. When we look into Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's uh, uh, work with us and deed towards us, we always assume the best. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is making a path easy for me, so how can I benefit from it to the maximum? But when I look at myself in regards to this path that Allah is making easy for me, I need to be a little bit skeptical about myself. Like, why things are getting so easy for me? What am I falling short on? How can I make things better? And that hopefully, inshallah, encourages you to do better and become grateful for this ease that you see in your life, inshallah. Like the point is, again, there's two perspectives over here. Whenever you see things that are right, alhamdulillah, you praise Allah for this. But at the same time, when you look at yourself, you know, I always make, keep myself under check because I know myself might be deceiving. And that's why I always try to balance this. Again, have husnul dhan billah subhanahu wa ta'ala, good assumption about Allah azza wa jal, but not the same about yourself. Wallahu alam. And just, I'd say, focus on your response, not his reasons. No. Because you'll never understand his reasons. Um. But you can, always, you can always measure your response. So you respond to good with hamd, you respond to hardship with sabr, and at all times you account yourself with ta'a and ma'asiyah, obedience and disobedience, and focus on what you know. You could listen to, honestly, how many times have we been asked this question in your own lectures, right? Like every single place I go, the question comes up in some capacity, right? Yeah. How do I know? How do I know? How do I know? A lecture is not going to solve this problem for you. No sheikh is going to be able to tell you, because no sheikh has access to the wisdom of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So focus on your response, not his reasons. And actually that's the meaning of stop pursuing that emotional, spiritual high, that emo iman rush moment. Stop pursuing that. You need to pursue Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala himself, which means I need to just to do what pleases Allah azza wa jal. Some, like for example, tawbah. A lot of people think that tawbah, you have to do it because you committed a sin. Jama'ah, tawbah in itself is an act of worship. Tawbah in itself is an act of worship. You don't have to commit a sin to, to do tawbah. Just do tawbah on a regular basis. Because there are some things that you do probably you're not aware of. So I still need to make tawbah for them, even though I'm not aware that I've done anything wrong. Similarly, dua. A lot of people think I have to make dua when I need it. Like if I need Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for something wrong is happening in my life, I need to make dua. A dua in itself is an act of ibadah. Which means you do it regardless of the response you're getting out of it. But I just need to make that dua, inshallah. Do we take one more question from my brother's side? From here, we're gonna make it work out, inshallah. That's what you get for coming late. <laughs> See, I'm
Uh, yes, go ahead, Adam. You're good. Um, so my question is, um, does a person's condition of the heart reflect the state or hal? And if so, how can someone, let's say, having a sickness in the heart or marad al-qalb, say, ujub or riyah or kibr or anything, purify the deed, which will lead to purifying the heart, since the initial drive for the deed is already corrupt, and then uh, automatically the deed is corrupt before even starting because of that. Sorry. Um, there's a difference between hal and bal. Al bal is more yuslihu balakum, yahdikum yuslihu balakum. Al bal is more encompassing and comprehensive in that it covers your internal state and your internal perspective and being rather than simply the external. So there's the spiritual state that you're in. And then there is the worldly state that you're in. And those two things can sometimes be at odds with one another. So a person's heart could be at peace with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But their life could be in turmoil. Their worldly outside could be in turmoil. Uh, and so the idea though is that if the inside is settled, right, then the external will follow. Even if that's merely just the perspective and the reward that is sought. Patience and seeking the reward, even if that in and of itself allows you to be able to face those difficulties with uh, not ease, but with, with greater tranquility. Uh, so that's why you focus on the, ha the, the inside part of yourself, right? And what a dunya, like Allah does not stop us from trying to work to better ourselves on the outside. Allah does not stop us from earning in halal. Allah encourages it. Allah does not stop us from taking medicine. We're encouraged, right? So the, the, correcting ourselves or you know, rectifying, remedying, curing, these are all things that we are taught are not contradictory to the state of zuhud, asceticism, which is uh, to empty the heart of attachment to any of those worldly things. If I want to add more to this, inshallah, in regards to if the heart is corrupt, so eventually my deeds are going to be corrupt anyway. So how am I going to even fix myself, my deeds, if my heart is already corrupt? Because whatever I do, if my heart is, 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 uh, is miserable, then everything is going to come out negative, obviously. So how do I do that? How can I do this? As you can see, there, is, there are interconnected situations over here. So, al-iman yazid wa Your faith, your iman, fluctuates, goes up and down. How does, it, how does it happen? With good deeds, your iman goes up. With bad deeds, the iman goes down. So what does that mean? If you feel that your iman is going down, what do you need to do to raise your iman? Do more good deeds, right? But wait a second, I'm too weak to even do good deeds. How am I gonna raise my iman then? Do good deeds. What just, I mean, I'm, I'm too tired, I'm too if, if, spiritually exhausted even to try that out, right? You need to do that. So you need to, I don't wanna say force yourself to do it, but actually, with good deeds, the Iman eventually will start climbing up. Because doing good, at least it gives you that sense of consciousness that, you know what, I still need to do better because I'm not enjoying it, because I still have the, 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 uh, the, the, the traces of, of my sin and my wrongdoing is catching up with me. So you keep to do good deeds until you filter that out, until you start enjoying the Ibadah, inshallah, and your Iman starts going up again. Similar with the heart. My heart is not in the best place right now, so my, my deeds are bad. So what do I do? You need to fix your heart. 
How do I do that? Two things. Work on the heart in terms of reflection, tadabbur, in terms of intentions and so on. That's one thing. Number two, do good deeds. Because hopefully good deeds will raise your iman that will give your heart, inshallah, fuel to, be, to become strong, inshallah, azza wa Last question, inshallah, from the sister's side. Um, so this is kind of more centered towards like the youth, I guess. So um, in Ramadan, like obviously, like mashallah, there's like a lot of different programs. There's like a lot of harakas and qiyams and things like that. But like I guess more of like I guess like people who are in school or in college or people who even work, sometimes you feel like it's a little bit hard to have that motivation to balance like life and school. And then sometimes we do have the free time, but you know, you might want to stay home kind of just like after a long day and everything. So how would you say would be the best way to kind of, I guess, better understand or kind of cope with that feeling and then also have that motivation in the last 10 days to kind of continue doing those things? And then, of course, like a lot of times they say, you know, do what you can, but sometimes that also feels like it's not enough. So I guess how would you say would be a good solution for that? No. I feel like you're making me answer all the questions. <laughs> well, let me say something about this insert, inshallah ta'ala. Uh, we go back again to the same principle. We focus on the quantity versus quality or quality versus quantity. I mean, uh, we, Ibn Qayyim, rahimahullah, he keeps repeating it in many of his books, saying that, إِنَّمَا uh, the, the path to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is really is, uh, uh, you, know, you travel to Allah azza wa jal not uh, on your foot. You travel with your heart. So um, if you say that I don't have time, I'm busy with school and work and so on, I hear you, I agree with you, that's fine. But you can still use what you do what you do as an act of ibadah in itself. Like if you do your homework, if you do your homework with sincerity and ikhlas and ihsan and perfection because you believe in that, because Allah commands you to do everything perfect and right, that's an act of ibadah. But if you're gonna go and cheat and do plagiarism and do this and that and so on, and, so, and you expect to get reward for that, you're not gonna get it for the dunya or the akhirah. So, or you might get it from the dunya probably, from your teachers, but not from the akhirah. So even the thing that I do on a regular basis can still be act of ibadat. And the Prophet وسلم, he, he actually he taught us that. So when he says, for example, on Allah, كتب الإحسان على كل شيء. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has wrote ihsan. Everything should be done in perfection for everything. And of the examples he mentions, وسلم, he says, قال, even when you, when you sacrifice your animal, he says, do it right. Which is a sacrifice that, it's just, just sacrifice the animal to eat, right? you still need to do that right. That's an act of ibadah in itself as well too. Our deen is all about that. When you, uh, when you wear your shirt, for example, your abaya, your right hand versus left hand first, that in itself, even though we're not paying attention to it, is an act of ibadah. When you smile on someone else's face to make them cheat for a little bit, that's an act of ibadah. So the, the, the ibadat are so many, they're not necessarily, you have to stand up for long hours in tahajjud or fast Mondays and Thursdays. Your daily affairs and daily activities can be a source of Iman and source of uh, spirituality for you as well, if you do it with the right intention, intention inshallah, Azza wa Wallahu alam. Now. Sure. Another question you want to take? Uh, I'll just uh, quickly to say that, look, uh, because all of you are here right now, 
subhanAllah, the, the feeling of being in the masjid when the angels are surrounding us, this is, this is not something that can be replicated at home. So I just say take advantage of the programs that we have at this masjid. They're profound, alhamdulillah, they're beautiful, they're regular, they're consistent. Um, it's not going to be Ramadan, but at the same time, keep a connection, a consistent connection to programming, inshallah ta'ala, because being in a place where Allah is being remembered consistently and having that as part of your regimen, even if it's not um, you know, as much as what you would do in Ramadan, will be a part of keeping your heart alive in the nighttime connected. So just stay connected to the programming after, after it's done and not just online. For those of you that have the ability, subhanAllah, the amount of people that are watching online right now are exponentially more than the people that are sitting here right now. And some of you live across the street and watch programs online. <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, I'm just saying, like, uh, some of the, you have a blessing, you know, so just please, for your own good, inshallah, ta continue to keep a connection to the masjid. Jazakumullah khair, barakallah feekum, we'll see you tomorrow, inshallah, with new topics from Imam Ibn al-Jawzi, rahmatullahi ta'ala alayhi, wa alaykum wa rahmatullahi